0: So we're going to have our, have our reading for, the, for today. Um, I'll, I'll share this on my screen and then I'm going to ask Lois to read. with are starting um, back into uh, the book of Ephesians. We actually last looked at it in 2015, so it's not all that long ago. Um, and, uh, so I'm going to try and tackle Ephesians in a slightly different uh, way. Last time we we looked, tried to look at every detail. We tried to um, understand the text and I'm going to put those sermons on the uh, the whatsapp chat um, so if you, if you want it all nice and systematically laid out or at least as systematic as i could make it last time you can have that this time i'm just going to um, look at it in a slightly different way so you'll see as we go on uh, and just pick out some highlights um, from each passage especially as we're online uh, but let me share this and then let's go to each one. <clears throat>
1: From Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, I am an apostle because that is what God wanted. To God's holy people living in Ephesus, believers in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God the Father and of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ, God has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly world. That is, in Christ, he chose us before the world was made so that we would be his holy people, people without blame before him. Because of his love, God has already decided to make us his own children through Jesus Christ. That was what he wanted and what pleased him, and it brings praise to God because of his wonderful grace. God gave that grace to us freely in Christ, the one he loves. In Christ, we are set free by the blood of his death, and so we have forgiveness of sins. How rich is God's grace, which he has given to us so fully and freely. God, with full wisdom and understanding, let us know his secret purpose. This was what God wanted, and he planned to do it through Christ. His goal was to carry out his plan. When the right time came, that all things in heaven and on earth would be joined together in Christ as the head. In Christ, we were chosen to be God's people, because from the very beginning, God had decided this in, in keeping with his plan, and he is the one who makes everything agree with what he decides and wants. We are the first people who hoped in Christ, and we were chosen so that we would bring praise to God's glory. So it is with you. When you heard the true teaching, the good news about your salvation, you believed in Christ. And in Christ, God put his special mark of ownership on you by giving you the Holy Spirit that he had promised. That Holy Spirit is the guarantee that we will receive what God promised for his people until God gives full freedom to those who are his to bring praise to God's glory.
0: Thanks, Louis. So as I say, we're coming back to Ephesians. If you want, it it would help to have a Bible open or um, something open. Um, We're looking at the the first, the first few verses of of Ephesians, and I won't put the PowerPoint up. But the um, I I found um, from being on the other end of Zoom for over the summer that the side by side mode, if you choose, I can't remember where where you find that. Um, It's a setting somewhere. Um, or if, you've got, if you're on a laptop or a PC, then you can see me and you should be able to see, um, see the PowerPoint as we go along. Um, on the WhatsApp chat and on email, you'll have some sermon notes. As you know, in the sermon notes, there's, um, there's a word search. That kind of helps you uh, concentrate and, and the notes just show you where we're going. Um, and the red words on the PowerPoint will, will come up, uh, as they usually do um, in the sermon notes. So let me share this with you and then you hopefully see me as well. And dig in. Let me just see if I can see you as well. Uh, There we go, I can see at least a few of you as well. So, I've called this series in Ephesians Growing Up uh, Graciously. So, we're coming back to Ephesians. As I say, we last studied in 2015, um, and partly because we've set ourselves to go through the basics of the Christian faith every three years. We have new people coming into the church, um, and so every three years we want to make sure we've we've gone through uh, the basics of the faith, the basics of what the gospel is, the the good news, and Romans is a really good book. The the letter that Paul writes to the Romans is a great book about the gospel. What is this good news that we're talking about? Um, And Ephesians uh, is that good news, but really applied into the church. And it's also about growing in Christ. It's about um, what do I do with this gospel? How does it work? What does it look like in the church? so that's part of the reason for coming back to Ephesians. So we're going to think about growing up graciously and by that I mean growing up in a Christian way and i say it graciously because we want to we grow up by grace uh, it is something that God has started when I say grace I mean it's something that's God's initiative that he's put into place but also grace is what we grow into we look more gracious we act more graciously um, as, as we grow up in Christ. <laughs> But we, I wanted to say for a moment what growing up um, isn't. And I think there's some important points here. And, and Rob sent me a video um, uh, from Tim Keller. And so this first thought is, is from Tim Keller, which is, which is the gospel is a good news um, rather than uh, good advice. And that reminds me, actually, that I'm conscious that Rob's expressed himself uh, And his thoughts really passionately over over the last couple of weeks Um, if that's stirred something for you or it's stressed you um, or disturbed you then then don't just uh, don't just live with that Um, pick Rob up on that talk to him about it he's he's very willing to do that or if it's disturbed you and you don't want to do that then um, come back to me or or one of the, the other elders and we can we can talk that through well, this was a, a video that rob and i have watched it, from tim keller and he says that the christianity is not um about good advice it's about good news sorry let me go back so advice is is something um you're given uh, to to go forward with it's something we get give, something gives you a set of uh, instructions um, or advice and you take that and you go forward um, good news is something that's already happened um, it, it's happened in the past uh, Tim Keller pictures it like this he says imagine a kingdom that, that's in trouble uh, they're being threatened by by another kingdom under the threat of in, in uh, invasion say and Tim Keller says every other religion will offer you um, the equivalent of a military advisor so imagine this kingdom and somebody goes to them and says, um, you need to shore up the defences on the on the eastern front, you need to in, invest uh, in, in greater military technology, um, you need to install an early warning system here, and then it's left with you uh, to go forward. And he says Christianity doesn't send you a military advisor, um, Christianity sends you a herald, and the heralds say, you have been rescued. Good news, uh, another stronger kingdom uh, has come to your rescue. They are already here. They have defeated the enemy, and everything is okay. I like that picture. And Keller says it, 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 it influences the way we teach. So that Christianity is all about how-to think then the best way to teach that is to model it, is to show it. Um, And there are some how-tos in Christianity. but He says if it's primarily about good news, um, something that's already happened, then good news needs telling. That's why preaching is important, and that should be at the heart of preaching always, that there is good news here about Jesus. It is something that has already happened. So Christianity, and growing up in Christ, is about... Uh, responding to the good news rather than feeling you've just been given a load of good advice that you have to apply for yourself the other thing is it's a it's a call to a new relationship uh, not primarily a call to a uh, set of rules and this goes back to Tim Keller again and he quotes a guy called Thomas Chalmers I think in the 1600s and he wrote a, a sermon called the expulsive power Of a new affection or the expulsive power of a changed affection I think is what he said I want you to remember that phrase that is a cracking phrase Um, most of the time as as a Christian if you've been a Christian uh, for at least a little while you will know what is expected of you you will have an idea of what godly behavior looks like and most of the time that is not the problem the problem is mainly um, motivation or it is the power to do it. You just lack the motivation, it doesn't really matter enough, and you lack the power, you don't feel like you've got the strength. And the answer to both of those problems is a new affection, a stronger affection, an affection for something different. So the problem, if you're having a, a problem, uh, you're getting, let's say, angry with your uh, husband or wife or, or, or with your kids, and. You know, anger is wrong, and, and the problem is that you like power and control um, more than you love Jesus. And the answer, actually, to all these things is the expulsive power of a new affection. When you know how much God loves you in Christ, um, and when you love Him uh, in return, this this affection has the power to expel from you um, your love of, of other things that causes you to sin, your love of power or prestige um, or control or the other things that that underlie sin. So I, I want to try and bring that in as we get along. Um, let's go along. Growing up is, 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 is not about banging rules out at you. Uh, and leading you to get on with it I'm trying to try and present to you Christ in such a way uh, as you will know his love more and you will love him more um, and that will ex- have an expulsive power uh, for the things that shouldn't be in your life I've been finding that over the summer it's been um, just in the last six weeks finding Christ new and loving him anew, and finding that that expels the things that that shouldn't be in my life I'm using a book as we go along if you want if you're very brave this book is called practice resurrection by Eugene Peterson I think he's an acquired taste I think he's a taste worth acquiring I think he's a superb writer um, <clears throat> but you might find it heavy going if you've never read him before not because it's uh, the writing's difficult it's just deep Um, The thoughts are deep. And and he starts his book, really, um, in Ephesians 4, verse 1, which says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That verse, 4, verse 1, it's kind of the hinge verse um, in in, in Ephesians. And he says this word worthy um, is the word axios in Greek and it's a word to do with weight. It says that your life, your walk, um, should be worthy of the calling you received. It should be of kind of equal weight. And he says imagine uh, some scales, so, some balance scales. Um, if, you, if you've had those, you may have had them, we had a set, um, and you put the, the brass weight on the one side um, and it weighed a pound, or. And then you, you tipped in the other side flour and, until it weighed a pound until it balanced balanced out um, and it's this um, this is growing up in christ christ has put in the one side um he has put the weight um he has put all, all his spiritual blessings um, and and your challenge um is to put in the in the other side uh, a lifestyle that is Of equal weight that that is worthy of the calling that you've received and he says that when the calling and the working are are balanced then then we grow up um, in Christ and we'll find that as we go to Ephesians Um, chapters 1 to 3 are about the calling uh, what God's done for you in Christ and chapter 4 are about the walking so let's get down to it the church in Ephesus There are 15 named churches in the New Testament, so says Eugene Peterson, all but two have letters addressed to them. And Ephesians is the only uh, only letter um, not written uh, about a problem, which could draw us into thinking um, that Ephesians is somehow the the ideal church. Uh, And people have thought that, this letter to the Ephesians, wow, they must be a great place. Well, they're not the ideal church. Um, you could go to 1 Timothy, and if you read what Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy is pastoring um, the church in Ephesus at, at the time, and he had a great deal of problems to, look, uh, to deal with. Paul tells him to get to grips with a false teaching, have nothing to do with meaningless talk and godless myths and old wise tales, and some people have, have turned away to Satan. Um, Ephesus was not the ideal church. And in Revelation 2, Jesus says the same thing. At that point, they have got their doctrine right, that a church has lost its um, first love. So why then does Paul write Ephesians like he does? Why does he not address the problem? Well, it seems that on this occasion, uh, it, I think it's possible that Ephesians was a more general letter written to a number of churches. But in this letter, Paul has taken a different tack. Um, rather than, than hit the problem head on, he tells the Ephesians what God is is doing for the church for his church is how god is working behind the scenes and then he tells them um, what the ideal response to that would be so he he draws them in with a a grand picture of their calling in christ what god is doing through the church um, and then asks them and then shows them what an ideal uh, response would look like so that's the church in Ephesus. let's let's get into it let's look at what god is doing Paul says this, verses 3 to 14, in the Greek it's all one sentence. Uh, it's about a 70 word sentence and um, Paul didn't put any punctuation in it. We can't read it like that in English. Uh, so the translators put a, um, punctuation marks in. But, but listen to this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. What is God doing? God is working, and his work is consistent with his character. He is a God who blesses. In in the heavenly realms, God has blessed you um, in every possible way. He has given you every dimension uh, of salvation. In in his territory, um, in the heavenly realms, uh, there is nothing that God has, has not given you. Of course, we, we live in the earthly realms too, and, and they are painful and hard. We don't have every blessing in the earthly realms. But in terms of salvation, in terms of God's rescue, in terms uh, of your relationship with him, God has blessed you with every. That, that's a word which means complete. Every blessing that you need uh, in Christ, you are fully supplied. Our God is a good God um, who loves to give. He is a giving God. He loves um, to give good things. For he chose us, and these are the, the spiritual blessings that he's blessed us with in Christ, verse 4. Uh, he chose us in him before, before the creation of the world um, to be holy uh, and blameless in his sight. God has chosen you. This morning, if you're a Christian, God has Chosen you. Peterson says that everybody has a story about not being chosen. Probably a a childhood story, but it might not be a childhood story. Everybody has a story of not being chosen. And because we know the pain of that, um, we tend to borrow uh, an identity. Uh, It might be a, a team that you support or a political party that you belong to. Or we, so we borrow an identity, or we or we create, or we create a, pers- a persona. It might be a meek and mild persona. It might be a, a bullying persona. From this sense of not being chosen, we have a sense that we don't have an identity, and, and we try to build one. But we are chosen. And you know what? You weren't chosen last in the list. You you weren't chosen um, reluctantly. You were chosen in Him before the creation. Of the world, you were the first draft pick. You were in God's initial round of picking. What were you chosen for? It um, did God chose God chose you to be His? Yes, but He chose you to be holy and blameless in His sight. So God chose you, and He chose you to be one of His people who stands in front of Him, holy and blameless what an amazing thing in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will so yes God predestined us if he's chose if he chose beforehand then it is God's initiative um, that has caused us to to be a, a Christian but within this Bigger idea of predestination. Maybe we lose track of the fact that God has um, destined us for something. So life is life, as you know, is not random. He has given you a, a, a destiny. Um, he has given you um, a destination. You, you have a you have a destiny. Um, and I just want to show you on, on here. This one of this is an excuse to show you one of my favorite clips from a film. Um, ignore these little words about Lou, give me a milk.
1: Chocolate. Sherry, go. Do it. don't worry about Lorraine, my density has brought me to you what oh what i meant to say was
0: wait a minute
1: don't i know you from somewhere yes yes i'm george george mcfly i'm your density i mean your destiny
0: So I ignore the little, uh, the little quotes around it, but it's it's great, isn't it? It's part of Back to the Future. That's George the Fly, um, and he goes up to the girl of his dreams, and wants to say, "I am your destiny." And he goes up to her and he says, "I am your density." Um, and but what a great feeling to to have a to have a destiny, uh, to have a, a destination. Uh, and God has. Has given you a, a, a destiny. I think it's just a great word. Um, so He chose you before before you existed, um, before you knew anything about God. He decided He was going to give you um, a, a destiny um, in Christ. There are great mysteries here, but it does demand humility. We i would almost say we, we shouldn't push too far to work out what this means. That's usually opposite of what I would say. But the, we just have to have some humility and say, if he's chosen me, um, he's chosen me. If he's destined me, if he predestined me, then I just uh, accept, accept what he's offered um, graciously. See, the alternative would be um, that God would be disinterested, that He leaves us to the su- survival of the spiritually fits us. But He doesn't. He has destined you, and that destiny is to be His child, uh, it's to be adopted as, as, as one of His children. And it says this is in accordance with His pleasure um, and will. This is what makes Him happy. It has made God um, greatly happy um, to choose you. Um, before the creation of the world and give you a destiny destiny to be his, his son or his daughter he bestows so the praise of the glorious grace which he has freely given us in, in the one he loves he's the God of grace, the word bestows means to give um, uh, it's just a verb form of, of the noun grace which is God this is our God, he gives we would say without thought of return, he gives. Uh, he gives freely. He gives without um, requiring payment. This is grace. He lavishes. In him we have forget In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. In accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished upon us, he gives uh, abundantly. He, he showers us with, with good things. Uh, we, we know a God who just loves to splurge, sorry, on, uh, on theological language. He loves to just pour, pour stuff out, uh, and um, pour stuff out, um, out, out of his grace. Uh, and what has he given us? He has given us out of his grace redemption. He has brought us back. We have become slaves to those things that, that addict us, which is self uh, and, and self-rule. Uh, and we've become a slave uh, to, to self-rule. He has, he has bought you um, at the price of his son Jesus. Uh, and bought you back. How's that done? By his blood. What he means by that shorthand, the sacrificial death on the cross. He's lavished this grace upon you. Redemption, the blood of Christ, forgiveness of sin. It's just given. It, it's just grace. He's not a stingy God. Have you ever th- thought that God's a God who's kind of holding out on you, a God who's kind of holding back on you, a God who's a bit stingy? No, he's a God who gives, he's a God of grace. No, he's a God who lavishes. He's a God who makes known, he's made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed us in Christ. God has let us in on, what he, on who he is and, and what he is doing. God is a God who reveals himself. What a good thing. God is not some some distant being who who sits there, um, doesn't say anything very clearly and says, hey, give it a go and take your best shot. See if you can work out um, how to know me. No, he's a God who reveals himself. And he's revealed himself in multiple ways. He's revealed himself to you in creation, revealed himself to you in person, um, in Christ. He's revealed himself uh, to you in scripture. And if you know him, he'll reveal himself to you by his Holy Spirit, uh, illuminating scripture to you. God is not hiding. Our God is not distant and he is not hiding. He he uh, he makes himself known. You might think he's hiding in in plain sight is what we might call it. So every time you step outside the door, um, God is there in plain sight. Now he's there in creation. You look at a bird, how does it fly? It flies because God gave it flight. Uh, there, there are trees, there, there is sun. Did we make the sun? Do we make the sun shine? No, every time you step outside your door, God is there. He's not hiding himself. He has made himself known in creation. Every time you read, um, uh, every time you see a rom-com um, and, and, the, and the, everything comes right in the end, um, behind that is the story of God who created love and makes everything right in the end. Every time you read a detective novel, novel uh, and justice is done, um, behind that story is the great story of a God who will make everything right uh, and, and get every, everything sorted and, and just in the end. God has made himself known. He's behind every story. If that wasn't enough, he's come in the person of his son uh, and revealed himself. And then he's, he's caused it to be written down so that we can read about it and know him. And we're not, we don't even read it without help. We're given the help of the Holy Spirit and we come to it perfectly he is a God who wants to make himself known. He is a God who does make himself known. And he does that with wisdom and with understanding. He tells us who he is, what his plan is, and he gives you wisdom as to how to live that out. And finally, um, he gathers up. He is a God who gathers up. He has a plan. Uh, he is made to know, as known to us mystery as mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he purchased in Christ, we put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. God has a plan and his plan is to gather everything up under the headship of Christ. That is His plan. we are not living in a, in a random world and our God is not a, a chaotic thinker, uh, our God is not absent, our God is present and he has a plan and his plan is that he will gather up everything in heaven on earth everything that exists under the headship of christ that is the one destination of the whole of creation of everything that exists that at the name of jesus every knee will bow either willingly uh, or or unwillingly but every knee will bow why does he do this haven't got time to go to this he does this you'll find this phrase repeatedly to the praise of his glorious grace he does it so that he can show how gracious he is and how glorious his grace is you might think that seems a bit narcissistic or egotistic but it would be in us if we did things to the praise of our grace but it is not to God because he is the greatest thing and the best thing he is only bringing glory to the thing that has most glory, which is Himself. And I guess sometimes we, we ask the the, uh, the question, why does why does God allow why does God allow sin to come into His world? Maybe this is part of the answer, so He could demonstrate His glorious grace. He could demonstrate what a gracious God He is, that He justifies the wicked, and that He loves sinners. So it's a good thing for us it's appropriate him that he does glorify himself and his own grace it's a good thing for us that he does that he is a gracious god so we should just accept it how do we get included very briefly well all these blessings are in one place and they are in christ and if you want these blessings then you have to get in christ and paul says um in him we were chosen. They were the first hearers. He's talking about those first generation, mainly Jewish hearers, um, were having been protestant. in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of His glory. But you also. So he's talking to the Ephesians and particularly the non-Jewish uh, hearers in the Ephesian church. You were incl- included in Christ. How do you get in Christ? When you heard the message of truth, the gospel. So how do you get in Christ? You hear the gospel, the good news. Um, that Christ has died in your place for your sin. And he will forgive you, and if you trust him, and you will be credited with the perfect life of Jesus. When you heard that, when you believed it, and not just in a general, okay, I think that's true kind of way, but in a kind of like throwing yourself off a trapeze into the safety net kind of way. A um, uh, uh, once for all trusting in nothing else to get right with God. Um, other than the safety net, which is Christ that has died for you, which is the only safety net. Or putting your trust in the sling lower from a rescue helicopter, that kind of trust. You believed, and then you were marked, you were, in, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. When you're in Christ, how, actually, the in Christ is, is made real by the fact that the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, is, is sent to you now to come and live in you and with you and guide you at Uh, strengthen you, that's how you get um, included in Christ but that's the place where all these blessings are if you're not in Christ this morning um, please uh, do something about it talk to God directly or or come and talk to to, to one of the elders what do you do next Okay. so what should I do next well, Peterson says there's not a single verb commanding you to do something in this passage not so much as a hint or a suggestion that we are to do anything. No requirements, no laws, no chores, no assignments, no lessons. And he says this, we are born into a cosmos in which all the requirements and conditions for growing up are not only in place, but are in action. It's quite a statement, isn't it? We are born into a cosmos in which all the requirements and conditions for growing up are not only in place, uh, but they are in action. So all you need for growing uh, uh, as a person was there when you were born. All the things you, you need for growing in Christ are there, because God has done them already and they are already in action. So only one thing really I want you to do for today, and that is to praise. Paul says, "Praise be, praise be." And he says, "All that goes on here is the praise of God's glory." Grace. What I want you to do, uh, I would like you to hear, and believe, and be marked with the Holy Spirit. Talk to somebody if that's a new thought to you, but simply praise God um, for what He's done. I've got a prayer here, and it's not one that I wrote, but let me pray. Blessed God, what a blessing you are. Father of our Master Jesus Christ, you take us to the high places of blessing in Him. Long before you laid down the earth's foundations, you had us in mind and settled on us as the focus of your love, to be made whole and holy by your love. Long, long ago, you decided to adopt us into your family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure you took in planning this. You wanted us to enter into the celebration of your lavish gift-giving by the hand of your beloved son. Because of your sacrifice, Jesus Messiah, because of your blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. God, you thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans you took such delight in making. You set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. Jesus, it's in you that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of you and got our hopes that you had your eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose you are working out in everything and everyone. It's in you, Jesus, that we, once we heard the truth and believed it, This message of our salvation found ourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet is from you, from you is the first installment of what's coming. A reminder that we'll get everything you've planned for us, a praising and glorious life, amen. Thank you Father God for sending your son, the son Jesus. Thank you that you're a God who blesses and bestows, who is lavish, who makes himself known, as a plan to gather everything up. Thank you that you chose us and included us. And we heard the gospel. We give you praise this morning. We simply, Lord, give you praise in so much greater than we are. And we humbly bow the knee before you and just simply accept the gift that you offered us in Christ. Yes, uh, let us, uh, yes, we take it from you. Please give us greater understanding of it day by day by your Holy Spirit.